0: We have a new week, new edition of shows. It's time to get lost in Alabama Crimson Tide football. And what better way to do that than to spend time with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine for In My Own Words, the podcast coming to you from Tuscaloosa. Show not just me. I got my man John Ivory in the production studio bringing you the beats that bless your eardrums. So yours truly And my man, John Ivory, in the production studio. And uh, as always, we want to encourage you to do this right now. If you are not subscribed to Touchdown Alabama magazine on YouTube, go ahead, go to the channel, hit that subscribe button right now. And as you're hitting that subscribe button, be sure to click on the all notifications bell so that you don't miss any of the up-to-date content on your Crimson Tide. Now, if you're one of those fans out there who already who, who are already subscribed but still having trouble getting your notifications, hit the none button on the on the tab. And then go back and hit the all notifications tab. So, if you are not subscribed, be sure to subscribe. If you are subscribed or having issues, hit the none button on the subscribe on the subscription bell and then go back and hit the all notifications tab just so that we can continue providing you and giving you the best of news, notes, information, and content on your favorite program. It's because of you that we are over 8,000 subscribers strong here on the YouTube channel. But we got a big show for today. We'll be joined by Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA to break down the 2021 class and Crimson Tide football program. Starting to get some momentum here on this recruiting trail, but starting things off here with a couple of updates here. First and foremost, Tua Tagovailoa continuing to pick up the endorsement deals on last week. He inked the deal with Muscle Milk and with Bowles Headphones. And now he has joined up with Henry Ruggs III in getting that deal with Adidas. So Tua, before he becomes the face of an NFL franchise, he is the face of three different brands. When it comes down to the wonderland test of Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga folks, how about this? The wrong scores. The wrong information was leaked out on the scores from the Wonderlick test on both Jalen and Tua. The score that was mentioned on Friday of last week for Tonga Valoa was a 13. He actually made that in 2018 while he took the exam at Alabama. According to uh, Laura Rutledge of ESPN, he retook the test at the NFL Scouting Combine. Tua made a 19, which is one one point off the overall average of 20, closer to the quarterback average of 24. So better 19 than 13 for Tua in terms of Jalen Hurts. The score that was leaked out was 18. Hurts actually made a 21. So one point above the overall average of 20. In the neighborhood of the quarterback average of 24, but both scores, updated scores, better than what was originally reported. And Nick Saban had some uh, huge comments of praise toward David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray, calling them light years above uh, the rest of the game in terms of conditioning, training, and getting guys to play at maximum peak performance. But we'll get to that in uh, the latter portion here of this show, as we jump on down to the first topic here, Alabama Crimson Tide fans, they they think about that they, they want to know they are inquisitive on during this time of the year, and those three questions just so happen to be, you know, number one, who would be who will be the first player off the board in terms of the draft? Now, I think the first player that that will come off the board will be Tua Tonga-Vangoa to the. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers with the sixth overall pick. The second question Tide Nation has is how many Bama players will go in the first round? I've been fighting with the number five for a moment now, but in the last couple of weeks, a sixth player has hit my mind. Not going to tell you who the sixth player is off the bat, but there's a sixth player that has hit my mind, which makes us down to the third question, and it's who will be the steal of a draft for the crimson tide players and uh, that question is always tricky because there are so many variables that go into that right who makes the pick what round is it what number is it the organization the player could come to the front office the player could go to is it the right fit there are so many variables when you discuss who could be or who would be the steal of the draft and uh, Recently here for Alabama, you can go back to Eddie Jackson when you discuss in the 2017 venue, he was a first-round value that went in the fourth round. He got hurt in the 2016 game against Texas A&M on a kickoff return, suffered a horrific leg injury, and the conversation for a lot of you out there in Bama Nation, if Jackson does not get hurt, Alabama beats Clemson for a second time in the college football playoff national title game. But that's besides the point. Jackson gets hurt. But thankfully, Jeff Allen, Alabama's head athletic trainer, Dr. James Andrews, and the rest of that staff were able to patch him up, stitch him up, get him healed up, and Put him into the NFL draft where he went fourth round, picked 112 to the Chicago Bears. And boy, did the monsters of the Midwest luck out with that one because Eddie Jackson is the highest paid safety in the league and one of the best young defenders in the league. So while Jackson is the most recent one of steals in the draft in terms of Alabama players, who would be the steal of a draft for the tie in this venue. And while I got a chance to listen to Mad Dog Sports Radio on last week and they had Brian Tarkenton, Pro Football Hall of Famer on, And he mentioned that Jalen Hurts would be the still of a draft, and he gave his reasons. And while I would agree with what Tarkinson said, of whom ushered in the uh, mobile, dual-threat, scrambling quarterback, henceforth the nickname Scrambling Fran, I'm going to give my opinion of who I think the still of a draft is. Give me Terrell Lewis. Give me Terrell Lewis, the 6'5", 262-pound, outside linebacker, edge rusher, the pride of Washington, D.C., former five-star in the 2016 class. And the reason why I say Terrell Lewis is Lewis is already being doubted right now. There was an individual on Twitter over the weekend, as you see the tweet come up on screen here, he mentioned that You know, Terrell Lewis, he said, Mark my words, Terrell Lewis will be a bust. And of course, Lewis clacked back with, You want to bet your salary on that? (laughs) So, Lewis already with the determination and the mindset to prove people wrong. And while it is debatable for a lot of people to ask last season, Were there moments where you thought Lewis may have saved himself for the NFL draft? Did he really and truly give his all every game throughout the season? Yes, that is debatable. Yes, that is up for discussion. Yes, you can make that thought. But when you watched him on the field, in 2019 there were moments where he took over there were moments where he single-handedly impacted football games there were moments where he made the life of the opposing quarterback just an absolute living nightmare there were moments where he wrecked havoc and he was absolutely a dominating force. So you go back and you look at the 2019 season. Terrell was 31 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, which was second behind Anthony Jennings. Six sacks, second behind Anthony Jennings. A team high 16 quarterback hits, quarterback pressures. He also had a fumble recovery. Now, there were three games where he really, truly, completely flipped the script and just dominated. Now, he actually he actually wore a towel on his belt this past season that had the term flip the script on there. But there was three games in the 2019 season, Game 6 to Game 8. So the middle of the year, he went off. And you look at Arkansas, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. Those three games combined here, Terrell Lewis, 13 of his 31 tackles came in those three games combined. He had four sacks, five tackles for loss, eight quarterback hurries, just being an absolute nuisance getting into the backfield and harassing the opposing passer. And uh, when I look at T. Lou just starting off with his strengths here, In terms of the NFL, number one, you got to go up that size at 6'5", 262 pounds, built like the Terminator, built like Optimus Prime, built like Megatron out there trying to make his way or make his stamp on... The defensive side side of the football. So you got the size there. You got the quickness there. He's got tremendous quickness. His first step off the snap of the ball, it's explosive. It's intentional. It's efficient. It's effective. It's getting to the quarterback. How can I get to the quarterback? How can I affect the quarterback with my first step? So quick off the football, explosive off the football. He's got great footwork. Great feet in terms of shuffling the feet, uh, getting his way around offensive linemen, being able to either go inside, go outside, so you've got the footwork there. He's got power hands. Very, very good hand strike. You know, with the technique, shedding offensive linemen off of him, making his way into the backfield. He's got strong edge bending abilities. So the ability to bend off the edge, convert speed to power. So all of these are kind of you know, his strengths. And once he makes contact to the quarterback, more times than not, or at most times, he does tend to finish the play. So those are just the strengths there. In terms of the weaknesses, he did have major injuries. 2017 and 2018 did not play much at all. Did not play the entire 2018 season. 2017 season, got hurt in the season opener against Florida State. Hurt his elbow, missed the majority of the year, did not come back until the Auburn game in the latter portion of the regular season. And despite the loss to Auburn, the Crimson Tide suffered there. Did get a chance to play in the semifinal against Clemson and then made his appearance in the national championship game against against Georgia, having that huge sack of Jake Fromm in the title game. So, he's had some injuries. There are there are moments where he's not the best coverage linebacker. And in the NFL, they're going to be asking for you to play to play tight ends, to play running backs being uh, flanked out, being flexed out, why he's going to be asked to cover in different systems, which is the reason why he's got to fit into that right system to where they may not ask him or demand of him or require of him to cover on certain situations, on certain downs. He was never asked to be a coverage linebacker at Alabama. So, coverage skills could use some work. Uh, he's got to be able to uh, consistently finish plays. Going back to the matchup against NSU, there were moments where. Lewis has Joe Burrow in his grasp. He has Joe Burrow for a sack. He has Joe Burrow for a tackle. He has Burrow in his sights to stop him from converting on a third down. And unfortunately, just was not able to finish the play. So consistency on finishing plays. Gotta get better with trusting his eyes. There are moments where Lewis tends to over-pursue a play. So he's got some strengths there, but... Got some weaknesses there that he has to work on. Now, according to NFL.com, he was given a grade of 6.29, which that grade means he will be a good backup with potential to become a starter. Good backup with potential to be a starter. The grade there for Terrell Lewis once again at 6.29. When he first came in to Alabama in 2016, people immediately saw how freakishly athletic he was. Because if you go to the 2017 spring game, to a time freshman year, at 6'5", 252 pounds then, Lewis, he dropped back in the coverage, picked the ball off, and returned it 60 yards for a touchdown, and fans were going, huh? Hold on, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait. Did, did that just happen? He's that big, That physical, that monstrous, that type of size, that type of footwork, that type of mean streak, and he's able to drop back in coverage and get pick sixes too? (laughs) Is this an android or is this a human? Who is this? So that type of playmaking ability already had Thai fans very much so intrigued. And uh, prior to... You know, and during you know the injuries that he had, you only had sort of those fleeting images, you know, of Lewis when it comes to the big plays he was able to make until 2019, to where he was actually able to play the majority of a full season. And when he wanted to, there were moments where you could turn on the tape, you watched him on the field, and he was just able to really physically dominate the opposition. So to me. I feel like the steal of a draft will be Terrell Lewis, just based on where does he go. Will he be a first rounder? Will he be an early second rounder? I I, I have him as a late first rounder at number 28 overall to the Baltimore Ravens, but we shall see what happens. But me personally, I have him as my steal of the draft. But we're going to go to our first break here on In My Own Works, the podcast. Don't touch that Dow. Just get started on a Monday. Upon our return, we have your phone calls, your tweets, your thoughts, your text messages, your concerns after this. <laughs> We are back in from the break, rocking and rolling here. New week, fresh new energy on a Monday in my own worst podcast with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And folks, as always, live in the YouTube chat line up. Drop your questions on the YouTube chat line. Get a conversation started. But it's your time though. 205-448-1358. The number to call in to let your voice be heard on the show. 205 205- 448-1358. You can text with that number. Leave a voicemail with that number. You can tweet the show directly at In My Own Words TDA. That's at In My Own Words TDA. You can also tweet me directly at Coaching Smith on Twitter. But we go to our first caller on a Monday, 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 and we pick up. Wayland. what's going on, buddy? Man,
2: what's going on on this Sunday, Monday down at TDA, Steven?
0: Man, going well, man. Going well. Awesome show. People are already livening up the YouTube chat line. So you can't get better than that, but just talking some NFL draft. uh, Who do do you think could be the biggest steal, Waylon? Well, uh,
2: you talked about Terrell. Uh, Yeah, the the physical being he is, uh, the presence he would have on the defense, the speed, the size, strength. I think he held uh, off the accelerator a little bit at Alabama. I think he was gun-shy. I think anybody probably would be after serious injuries to that effect. But uh, uh, he'll be one heck of a, a defensive uh, player, I see. Uh, I don't see where you could beat him myself if he gets the potential.
0: Uh, I, I, to me, I would not have him as a linebacker in the NFL. I would have Terrell News as a defensive end have him put his hand in the dirt and and rush the quarterback because they tried to put him in some past coverage situations at the Senior Bowl. He kind of struggled with that a great deal, and he was never asked to be a coverage linebacker at Alabama. So, to me, wherever he goes in this draft, he's going to have to be a defensive end.
2: Yeah, that's where you put him. You take him away from linebacker, you put him on the edge of that line. Let him cut loose like Derek Thomas used to and cause chaos in the backfield.
0: So I would, I would definitely have him as a as a defensive end. But Wayland, how, how many people you think Bama can get in this first round? I know that's a question that all the fans want to know is how many Bama players can save and put in this first round.
2: Ah, uh, that's a good question, Steven. I can't answer that question. We'll just have to sit back and. Uh, And wait and see. uh, uh, Several, Uh, you know, it's going to be the numbers are going to be up like they always are, and a lot of good. I mean, my goodness, the players that left Alabama, especially on the wide receiver side, it's going to go in the NFL in the first round. Quarterback, I mean, you got a lot of people there, Stephen. A lot of lot of people going in the first round from Alabama.
0: It's a bunch of them, man, but. I got a chance to kind of, I guess, watch the, well, I did watch the first two episodes of the Last Dance docu-series of Michael Jordan. And watching that, I developed a whole new appreciation for Mike because <laughs> Mike had to handle a circus, man.
2: <laughs> I put a comment on there. I know we got to get rolling here. There's some more people in the queue, but I will say they, this about that Uh I remember watching Bird and Magic and Kareem and all those guys go at it before, before Michael and them and Scottie Pippen and them came along. The talent that team had. Look at the point guard. Look at look at the Look at what he's doing now as a head basketball coach in uh, in the NBA with uh, Steph Curry. I mean, come on, man. Those. And I remember watching one time, uh, uh, you know, Michael at North Carolina, and then way up, Webb. way Webb, five foot three, in North Carolina State. Man, he was like a he was like an Atari game. He had springs in his shoes, man. He could just go up and dunk the ball. Those guys would at one another's throat, man, being at those schools. It was unreal. I, I remember that stuff. It's so funny just, just thinking about it, you know.
0: I mean, it was crazy, man. I, I, I'm excited for Episodes 3 and 4 so that we can dive into the mind of one Dennis Rodman.
2: <laughs> exactly, Mr. Rodman. Yeah, he was a character, probably the best rebounder in the NBA history there's a lot of them before him but probably the best but we had mr marquis mays on the show there friday and uh i didn't get to do the little poem about him i wish i could have i should have had that written uh while he was on the show but well since we've been talking so long here we'll move on down the road and and in with a poem and a three hearty chuckles there and hope a good little this has come back on wednesday so here we go tda missing for mr marquis mays roses are red the crimson Makes people who play them blue. Mr. Marquise Mays was a two-time champ. Was you? He streaked down the field and laid down the smoke. Greg tossed him the pass. He made DBs look like a joke. So thank you, Mr. Mays, for all you've done. You were a legend with two quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks. You made watching college football so fun. All right. We appreciate y'all down at TDA and all the fans on the podcast. Keep coming in here. We'll see y'all Wednesday night, Stephen, the good Lord willing. Bye-bye.
0: Be good, Wayne. Appreciate having him on. We're going to take our next call here. You're live on a Monday in my own words, the podcast. What's going on?
3: What's going on, Stephen? It's Justin Riley, your friend from the sports cast. What's going on?
0: Oh, man, we got the legend in the building. Justin, what's going on?
3: Hey, man, glad to finally be on. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about who I feel like is going to be but still the draft. Let me hear you. Well, I got to echo what you say, man. I feel like it's going to be Terrell Lewis, you know, for a couple reasons. You know, one, you made the comment some folks didn't feel like he excelled the way that a lot of us hoped this past season, but I don't think that necessarily is all his fault. I feel like he was hindered because of what was going on defensively. You know, we had Mosley out. We have it milling out had a lot of players out that normally would have been there, and we we were playing with a defense that had to be adjusted adjusted according to what we had. So I feel like he was really limited in what he was really able to do and how we normally would have used him. So I don't feel like that should go against him. That's why, you know, we only saw him produce in spurts instead of the full deal. So I feel like we kind of missed out based on that reasoning. Uh and then too, man, what I really like about him, he is so explosive coming out of his stance and he's so strong. I like that he has the ability to jab a blocker and basically hold them up bay for as long as he wants, not as long as the blocker wants, as long as he wants. Then when he feels like it's time for him to close in, he'll just toss him aside and go do his thing. But yeah, man, he's just so tough and I think a lot of people are selling him short. I think the injuries uh are on the minds of a lot of people. But like you said, man, this guy's some, something special. And you, you said it right when I was thinking about it. He came around the scene in that A-Day game and just showed out.
0: He absolutely did. And I I remember that play, Justin. It was, you know, was freshman year, you had uh, – I think he was trying to throw a slant or a screen or a dump pass, but he was trying to go in the flat – and all of a sudden, I just see the 6 freak of nature. He jumps back in the play, jumps back in the coverage, picks two off, takes it sixty yards to the house. Everybody's celebrating. Fans are throwing their beer everywhere. They're like, "Who is that? How did he do that?" Like it, it looks like Megatron playing football. I mean, that's what it looked like. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, you, and and you want it. You want it more from Terrell Lewis, and I understand. You know the the massive injuries wiped out. You know him, 2017, and of course 2018, with the exception of some fleeting images. But 2019, uh, when he wanted to, oh, that man could take a game over. I, I I felt so bad for Arkansas's Nick Starkle because he got hit so many times by Terrell Lewis. Oh, without question,
3: man, he just completely just devastated Arkansas. As a matter of fact. He's one of the key components that just broke Arkansas's will in that game. And yeah, he just, but I still feel like that he could have done a whole lot more, but because of the fact of how we were so limited in our defense this past season, we really weren't able to see the full product. But that being said, though, in the same token, he still was just so devastating and he, he definitely showed the the signs of the of the player that we all expected him to be, and I think once against the NFL, that's when you're gonna really see him mature and bloom
0: into that superstar that we all expect. Well, Justin, man, I appreciate the call, man. Keep listening, keep listening to us. Oh, absolutely, man. I appreciate you, Justin Riley. There, just giving us a little uh, call there to talk about Terrell Lewis. We're going to actually take a question here in this chat line before we go to our next we'll go to our next break here. And here's a good one. This one comes from uh, Janelle. W-Wanelle. This one comes from Winnell. Winnell writes in, best player this season. Who would be the best player this season? I'm going to go with best player of the season. As much as I like Dylan Moses, and I think he'll be the most influential player, I think the best player this season will be Christian Harris. Christian Harris, to me, will be the best player this season. Watch his jump from last season to this upcoming year. Watch Christian Harris jump. That's my guy. But we're gonna go to our next break here on the show. Continue to line us up in the YouTube hot, in the YouTube chat line with your thoughts and your questions. Upon our return, we will be joined live via the phone lines with Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA, to talk this 2021 class. After this. <laughs> We are back into the hottest show on the streets. In My Own Words, the podcast with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine on a Monday, and we go to the In My Own Words hotline right now, where we're joined by my brother from another mother, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA, who is consistently hard at work. Justin Smith. Justin, man, what's going on? Everything's
4: going pretty good, Stephen.
0: That's good, man. Happy to have you on the line today. Well, Alabama, and you talked about it, Justin, when you were here uh, in studio. You know, a few shows back to where at some point Alabama was going to get on a was going to have some momentum build create some momentum for this 2021 class and last week it started to do that landing two huge commitments verbal commitments one of those from three star defensive lineman and Quinn Barnes out of Lee High School in Montgomery and in the very next day which would have been Saturday it brought in four star wide receiver Aja Hall out of Florida how big was this for the Crimson Tide to get back-to-back commitments and trying to get this momentum started up for 2021?
4: Well, I feel it was very big for Alabama to get those two guys, especially trying to establish some momentum. Now, that going back to when they just had one commit with Deontay Lawson's commitment, to four-star linebacker from Mobile, Alabama. So I think it was huge for Alabama to build some momentum at this point. I, I, I felt like a couple of weeks ago that they had to do it. They had to just push some guys they really wanted to get those guys' commitments to get some momentum going for them on the recruiting trail. But as far as those guys go, picking up a commitment from an in-state kid like Quinn Barnes, a kid who Alabama offered on March 7th, and they kept in contact with him throughout that time. And he quickly rose on Alabama's recruiting board, a guy who stands at 6'5", and weighs 290 pounds, between 290 pounds, 300 pounds. So it was a huge pickup for Alabama to pick up Barnes, a gap filler. Not really the twitches are the quickest guy, but he's a guy who could really be a gap filler at the next level. I think the biggest... Get at the moment, was Ajah Hall, the, four, the five-star wide receiver. We have him listed, actually, as a five-star touchdown TouchdownAlabama.com At the moment, I feel he's a five-star because I think this kid is a special talent. He's a long, athletic kid. But I think the more impressive thing about Ajah Hall is the fact that his speed is underrated. I think he's a very... Speedy kid, a guy with a lot of speed, a kid can really make up a lot of speed and make up a lot of space in the open field. I think he's really hard to contain in the open field. So getting those guys was huge for Alabama as far as building some momentum on the recruiting trail as well as getting two guys who could really be assets at that next level.
0: Now, Justin, you watch film on all of these young athletes. You watch film. You're at the games. You're scouting. You're on the road. You are literally the boots on the ground in terms of recruiting. Now, when you watch the tape of Hall and Barnes, what do these two give Alabama? What do they bring the Crimson Tide just from watching the film?
4: Well, and Quinn Blount, I think he's a kid that will need, well, that will possibly need to develop some more. Of course, he's going to his senior season, so he's going to take a couple of more steps during his senior season at Robert Lee High School in Montgomery, Alabama. But I think he needs to improve on his speed and also add some more hand moves and more more um, quickness to his game to be a more competitive defensive lineman at the next level. As far as the Ja Hog goes, I think he's one of those kids that could come in and make an immediate impact. He actually was going to play for IMG Academy for his senior season before he transferred to Bloomingdale High School. I think it, was, it would have been more beneficial for him to possibly play for IMG Academy so he could go against some of the top talent in the country. But he would play play at Bloomingdale High School. But I still believe he possesses some of the – a, a unique – skill set with this long frame and this ability to really make up space with that speed and that long stride that, ha- that he has. He's also very athletic, so he's one of those wide receivers that can make those acrobatic catches. So that's why I feel Alabama's getting in their last two commits, and Ajah uh, Hall and Quinn Barnes.
0: Folks, if you're just tuning into "In My Own Words," the podcast on a Monday, hottest show on the streets. We are joined via the hotline by with, uh, Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA, talking about this 2021 class. And uh, Justin, who are the next marquee names, or who are the uh, who, who are the next names that down the line that Nick Saban and this coaching staff trying to attack and get? Who, who are the next names?
4: well of the in-state kids that I've always talked about would definitely be on the table. Guys like four-star linebacker Ian Jackson, four-star defensive tackle Tim McKinnon, the five-star athlete Ja'Quincy McKentry, four-star linebacker Jeremiah Williams. All of those in-state guys would definitely, definitely still be on Alabama's board. But as far as moving forward, some names to know, a name I would definitely want Alabama fans to know is Amarius Mims, a five-star offensive lineman who Alabama is recruiting in the 2021 recruiting class. This is a kid who I think a Ja Hall is going to really – after on the recruiting trail, he has a relationship with the Marius Mills. Both of those guys attended the Future 50 Media Day event in um, Florida. They also participated in the Under Future 50 camp. So I think Hall will really help Alabama with the Marius Mills. Alabama has been building some momentum with him at the Under Armour Future 50 Media Day event. He did talk about Alabama being a huge player in his recruitment. He said he will, he will announce his commitment on October 14th. He had the top 10, so I think Alabama will be in his. Um, recruitment throughout th- throughout his recruitment at this point, so that's that is definitely a name to know. Another name I will keep an eye on is three-star defensive end Daryl Peterson out of Akron, Ohio. By the way, of Hoban High School, Alabama actually pulled in a tight end from Hoban High School, and Katie Clark in the 2020 recruiting class. And I think they're going out there dealing Peterson pretty hard. He told me that Alabama's been in contact with them Pretty much every other day throughout this recruiting dead period. Although he's rated as a three-star recruit, this is a kid who had 21, soc- 21 tackles during his junior season. So he's not really a scrub. Not really a kid that is th- not really a kid that stands up to that three-star rating. I think as his senior season comes up, I think he's going to make that jump and become a four-star on most recruiting sites. So those are two names I'll definitely keep an eye on, and especially the guy in state that I mentioned.
0: Now, Justin, when I talk to people just around about in terms of, you know, these young athletes, a name that always comes up is Ja'Quincy McKinstry's name. What makes him special? People look at him. Of course, you have him as one of the best in-state players in this class, if not the best in-state player in this recruiting cycle. What stands out? What makes McKinstry as, as a talented as he is?
4: I mean, he's just naturally athletic. When you see this kid, you just see an athletic guy because he just jumps out on film, he jumps out in the game. He's just one of those kids that have a natural ability to get the football in his hands. He knows how to judge the football from the offensive side of the ball. He's an aggressive guy on the defensive side of the ball. And this it, it, his skills that actually translate to the basketball court. You see him on the basketball court, he's going down the court on fast break, making those acrobatic dunks. He's making those hard drives to the lane. and. Scoring a basket in, in in traffic. So he's a kid who's just naturally athletic. That's one of the things that really comes off to me. And As I said in the past, I feel that McKinsey is actually one of the best athletes the state of Alabama has ever produced. I think he's just such a talented kid, and I think it's something that really is going to translate to the next level. And this is something that a lot of schools are seeing, so they're trying to offer him in both sports, making sure that they're going to have him at the next level. So I feel Ja'Quinsey McKentry is definitely that talented.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in to In My Own Words, the podcast on a Monday, we're joined live by Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Just breaking down this 2021 recruiting class, recruiting cycle, Justin, aside from McKinstry, who else would you say is a must get Alabama has to get this guy if the tide doesn't get this guy it could lead to some negative repercussions who are who would be the must get guys?
4: Well I think it's hard to find a must get guy for Alabama because they have so many targets on the board. I don't think any guy at the moment is a must get but a guy who I feel Alabama would most likely would love to get on their 2021 recruiting class is Tim Kennan. He's a guy I will bring up. He's a four-star at Tackle out of Ramsey High School in Birmingham, Alabama. I think this kid is a unique talent. He has a similar um, frame to uh, Alabama's newest committee, Quinn Barnes, not really taller than Anquin Barnes, but he weighs about 300 pounds. But he's the, guy who possesses that, he, he's the guy who possesses that speed and that quickness that you want to see out of a defensive lineman in the game today. He also has a wide range of, hand moves that is added to his wide range of moves he can do that's in his repertoire at the defensive line position. So I think Tim Kennan is a guy Alabama would really like to get in the 2021 recruiting class, especially with some being an in-state kid.
0: When you look at this Alabama coaching staff, Justin, full of big time recruiters when you discuss guys like Jeff Banks, guys like Freddie Roach, Charles Kelly, uh, Carl Scott, among others. But just looking at Roach, Kelly, Uh, Jeff Banks and also Pete Golding, who had the little strong emoji on Twitter today in terms of recruiting. When uh, when you talk to a lot of these athletes, how how do they feel about the coaches, the coaching style, the coaching staff and their styles of recruiting? Who who do they look at as the best recruiter possibly on the staff?
4: Well, I know for Pete Golding, he really um, has a huge impact on the Louisiana kids. I know a lot of those guys who I've talked to in the past, he always talked about Pete Golding being their guy with that Louisiana connection. So he has a huge connection to the state of Louisiana. Carl Scott is a name that comes up a lot because of his um, because of the way he recruits. A lot of recruits say he always tells them the truth. And you, as you guys can see, he has had a lot of success on the recruiting trail for Alabama. Jeff Banks is a name that comes up a lot especially with them recruiting the state of Texas very hard. And a lot of recruits have talked about Jeff Banks having that same um, honesty level as Carl Scott and Jeff Banks being the guy that they really can trust and Jeff Banks being the guy that they really get to build a relationship with. So I think Jeff Banks, Carl Scott, are among Alabama's best recruiters at the moment based on Alabama's current coaching staff. But I think Freddie Roach is making his – Making his mark, leaving his mark on Alabama's recruiting efforts. A lot of recruits are starting to talk about him, especially defensive linemen saying that he's a guy that they really like. So I think Freddie Roach is starting to make a move as well.
0: He's Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for Touchdown Alabama Magazine, coming on here on a Monday to talk about the 2021 recruiting class as Alabama starting to create some momentum. Justin, be good out there. Be safe. We appreciate you for coming on to drop the knowledge, drop the nuggets of wisdom on what's going on in the recruiting cycle. We're going to have you back on soon, man. Be good. You, you do the same, Always awesome to have Justin Smith on just to talk about Alabama Crimson Tide recruiting. Give him a follow on Twitter. Also, follow his show on YouTube, The Process, which comes out every Tuesday and Thursday as he dives into the nuts and bolts of Crimson Tide recruiting. We're going to go to our next break here on In My Own Words, the podcast. Don't touch that down when We return back to the phone lines and your tweets, thoughts, text messages, and concerns after this.
1: Menswear in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa. Alabama.com today and roll tide
0: We are back into the action on In My Own Words the Podcast, the hottest show on the streets so of the Monday. Yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. It's always good to get that recruiting news from the best scouting and recruiting analysts in the game, my man Justin Smith. But as we're back in here, as always, 205-448-1358. And I'm going to call in to let your voice be heard. 205-448-1358. You can text with that number. Leave a voicemail with that number. We appreciate you guys lighting us up in the chat line, but before we go to a couple of those thoughts right there, I want to build on my point on Christian Harris will be the uh, team leader in tackles for loss in the upcoming season. And the reason why I feel that way is he's about to make a major jump between his freshman and his sophomore year at 6'2", 244 pounds out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And, And this was a guy that without Dylan Moses... And without Joshua McMillan, he had to do a lot. He had to make the calls on the field. He had to get affirmation on those calls, confirmation on those calls. He had to fly into the gap, make tackles for loss. He kind of had to do everything, learn and grow on the fly, so to speak, as a young player. Now with Dylan Moses back at that inside, that middle, that Mike linebacker position, now, with Dylan Moses back as the nucleus, now if Dylan Moses is back as the center of controls, this allows for Christian Harris to kind of get into his role of being that coverage, weak side, lateral quickness, sideline to sideline, blow that thing up linebacker. And this is what he was in high school. In Louisiana, he was a defensive back. In high school, he had great instincts to play the lower third of the field, play the curl, play the curl to flat, take on wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. He was he had just that type of a instinctive feel, you know, for the game. And this past season, we're looking at 63 tackles. He was seventh among freshmen. He was fourth on the team. He had seven and a half tackles for loss, which was. You know, third on the team, but it was most among SEC freshmen. We're looking at five quarterback hurries. This was a guy that through 13 games, he was a freshman All-American from the USA Today and ESPN. He also made the freshman All-SEC team from the league's coaches. And uh, along with his background as a defensive back, Christian Harris has tremendous initial speed, tremendous initial burst. He's got great lateral quickness. He's a very conscientious, very smart player. When Nick Saban talks about him, he always says, Christian wants to do the right thing. He wants to make the right play. He wants to be at the right spot. He wants to be the one to make sure he's doing everything possible to help this team win, and he's got great burst. And uh, he can be the Robin to Dylan Moses' Batman. He can be the Robin right now. And uh, I look at Joshua McMillan. As much as I like McMillan, and I do, smart, instinctive, he's got five years in the system, he's going into his sixth year, he's got good size, can be a tackling machine. As much as I like Josh McMillan, I would literally put him an outside backer. I would have him an outside backer to push the likes of Chris Allen, Jerez Parks, Ben Davis, King Wakuda. I would have McMillan outside because putting... Christian Harris next to Dylan Moses, that's going to enhance Dylan and that's going to enhance Christian. And kind of the reason why is if you look at the national championships of the Saban era, 2011, 2012, 2015, and 2017, the uh, inside, the, the middle linebacker and the weak side backer position, they play off each other very, very well. The mic linebacker is always the brain. The weak side linebacker is the heat-seeking missile going, bruh, where do I need to go so I can light somebody up? But before I continue my point, <laughs> we got to call in the queue. You're live on In My Own Words on a Monday, what's going on? Hello, Steven. This is
5: Tom Ellis from Cincinnati. How are you? Doing well, man. And yourself? I'm doing outstanding, sir. Um, I have a question about um, Jalen Hurts. Um, I didn't hear you mention him um, early on, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on maybe things you've been hearing about him specifically um, and where you may think he might go, like with round. Um, and maybe the team that's probably the best fit. I've been uh, kind of reading up on some draft stuff. Just would like to hear from someone who's you know been covering the team. I uh, know he didn't play for us last year, but uh would like to know a little bit more about Jalen Hurts. If you could uh, uh provide me with your insight, I'd love to hear that.
0: Jalen Hurts did really well at the NFL Combine, and well to the point to. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of scouts, including one, Daniel Jeremiah, former scout, now an analyst for NFL Network, talked on, he doesn't see Jalen getting out of the second round. I see Jalen, he, while he could be a late first rounder, somebody could trade back late in the first round and get him. I would not be surprised, but I could see him going second round, pick 48, pick 48 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just when you talk about Mike Tomlin, of whom is a great coach, one of the best in the league right now, players will will run through a wall for Mike Tomlin, and then Ben Roethlisberger on the last leg of his career, he's probably got one, maybe two really good years left. And when you saw how Lamar Jackson adjusted, Kyler Murray adjusted, you know, guys like that, the dual threat mobile guys, how they adjusted so quickly to the game, uh, Jalen Hurts, kind of in that same skill set, or definitely in that same skill set. I could I would say this. Jalen Hurts to me, late first, early second round. I could see the Steelers in there. I could see the San Francisco 49ers making a play in there for him, possibly. I can look at maybe. Maybe the Seattle Seahawks pull that card to put somebody behind Russell Wilson, somebody that Russell can work with, train, help develop. So I look at Pittsburgh, uh, San Fran, Seattle, just three of those teams that sort of come to mind.
5: The uh, Seattle or San Francisco, but I can definitely see the Pittsburgh Steelers possibly trading up to get him um, or select him in the second round. But I'm also curious to see if someone would actually trade up um, in the late first round, similar to how the Ravens picked Lamar Jackson, uh, I know you mentioned him, and I believe that um, he's kind of showed the the entire world that uh, the dual threat is definitely a, a new thing um, in, the, in the NFL with the read option. And I believe Jalen does an excellent job with doing that. Um, I think he still struggles with anticipation, but um, I think Lamar Jackson he had a lot of uh, cr- critics that said that he he wasn't maybe the best thrower of the football or as accurate, and that he. Really prove a lot of the, the skeptics wrong, and I believe that Jalen, with the right system, the right quarterback coach, to probably uh, do the same. He's not as fast or as, as athletic as Jackson, um, but I do believe with a lot of his intangibles, that some uh, team in the uh, um, uh, some some
0: team in the late first round could definitely uh, trade up and get him. I see the exact same thing, but it's going to be fun watching the draft on Thursday night. But man, we appreciate the call. Keep listening to us. We're going to actually go to our next break here on In My Own Words. Upon our return, we will get into Nick Saban's comments on David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray after this.
1: Alabama.com today and Roll Tide.
0: As we're back in on a Monday to the hottest show on the streets, the best form of Alabama football news, notes, and information. In my own words, we discuss the superstars, the two hires Nick Saban made prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. That being uh, David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray coming from the Indiana Hoosiers, Indiana University. And ever since this, these hire, ever since the hires were made for both guys, with Ballou being the director of sports performance, Dr. Ray being the director of performance science, Coach Saban has raved nothing but praise. He has showered, I should say, nothing but praise on these two individuals, in, in which they deserve it because... Uh, they have come in here to the University of Alabama. They have laid down some groundwork. They have brought in their philosophy, their training philosophy, their speed philosophy, their right sleep pattern, right eating pattern philosophy, and the players have bought in. Players are really enjoying and loving what's being done. Yes, it's different. It's not like what Scott Cochran had it the last 13 years prior to now, but. They like the newness, they like the difference, they like the uniqueness, they like the challenge that Ballou and Matt Ray are putting on, you know, each and every last one of those guys being the players. And while last week Alabama was supposed to have had its annual spring spring game, its A-Day game from Brian Denny, Coach Saban was on the Crimson Tide Sports Network out of Learfield and the voice of the network is Eli Gold. And Gold spoke to Saban on, for the average run-of-the-mill fan, for the average Alabama fan that may not be that familiar with Blue and and Ray, talk to us about those two. What made you so adamant? What made you so sure, so confident, so comfortable that this was the right move to bring into the program? And Saban talked about how he had known Now, Baloo and Ray, for the last four to five years, he studied what they did at IMG and uh, improving the speed training, improving the um, injury prevention. So he had studied those guys for the last four to five years. He saw what they did at Notre Dame. He saw what they did at Indiana. And he said those two guys were light years above everybody else. Light years ahead of everybody else in the game when you discuss... Uh, injury prevention, speed training, performance training, sleep patterns—making sure every athlete is at, is at their tip-top shape, their tip-top you no know, physical condition—and Saban discussed how you know Alabama, much like other programs, was still stuck in the old way of doing things, just having the traditional, typical strength coach. And uh, although he appreciate what Scott Cochran did. As much as we all appreciated what Cochran did, Saban was for a minute, for a while, looking at a different direction. He was wanting to take, you know, a different turn. And he had interviewed other strength other coaches that were just simply strength coaches. He had even requested the help of guys in the NFL to understand, you know, why are we having all of these injuries? Why are we having all of these season-ending, you know, mishaps? What is the problem here? And then he came to grips with, you know, maybe we need, maybe Alabama needs to have a new outlook on this and, and bring in individuals that are savvy with the technology, keen on the analytics, and look at things from a different perspective. So here is Blue and, and Dr. Ray, and according to Sabin, the players have had no issues. No problems, no um, negative circumstances. Guys have been fine with their academics. Guys have been fine with the Zoom meetings as the NCAA has relaxed the the restrictions on that at one point you can have two hours of chalk talk and coaches meetings and player meetings but now it's eight hours so you can really you know run through some film run through some training run through some some productivity to get you prepared to get on the field for a football season definitely crossing our all fingers in hopes that you know, we do have football in the coming fall but you know one of the things I like about dr. Ray just in particular. Is he looks at the sleep of these players? His his whole mindset is, if you get eight hours of sleep, right? If you get eight hours of sleep, and you maximum and you perform at the maximum effort, all of your other drills, your weight drills, your speed drills, your workouts that we um, that we uh, set out for you on the iPhone and on the Apple Watch, you get eight hours of sleep and do your appropriate uh, workouts. You're gonna be at 100%. You're gonna be able to have maximum, maximum effort versus if you get seven hours of sleep but do all the drills, it drops 10%. And then six hours of sleep, it drops another 10%, and then so on and so forth. So, his whole idea of you gotta have the right amount of sleep, and then that right amount of sleep will transition into you having that peak performance. That's pretty interesting. That, that That's a pretty big deal there when you discuss how all those analytics play out. So it's really fascinating how he goes into sleep taking, or sleep playing a big role in the way you perform on the field, the way you perform in the weight room, the way you perform in, in everything. So he, he takes that aspect. Uh, in terms of David Ballou, When he looks at the whole thing of peak power, of which we had Zach Osterman on the show a few weeks back, talking about how he doesn't want these guys just squatting weights or just maxing out reps on the bench. He wants you to do it in fast time. How quickly can you do it? How fast can you do it? Because if you can't do it, in the time allotted, then what good is it? We're trying to do it at a fast time so that you know we can be the aggressor on the offensive line, or we can be the aggressor on the defensive line, or we can be the aggressor at any position of the choosing due to we're able to maximize it at pinpoint accuracy, at pinpoint precision, precision and at pinpoint time, and... You Saban also mentioned how both guys are highly observant in workouts, like they look at the workouts, they track the data, and from that data, they manipulate, do we need this? Do we not need this? If we need this, how much more action do we put on it? How much more force do we put on it? How much more time do we spend on it? If we need it and somebody's struggling with it, you know, what can we give them? What exercise? What workout? What maneuver? What What thing, what intervention can we have with this particular player to catch that player up to speed? Or if it's not really conducive to what we're trying to do as a football team, then Alabama does not have need of it. So very intriguing how these two individuals have come in here. They have laid a solid, firm impact of what we're going to do in the speed system, in the training system, in the injury prevention system, and making sure Alabama gets back to being a dominant team. So like Saban said, light years. I've heard ahead I've I've of everybody else being Blue and Dr. Ray. But you download the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. You can get this from the iPhone App Store if you're rocking Team Apple. Google Play Store if you just so happen to have the Android phone. The podcast options. If your audio listening pleasures just so happen to be iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast.fm, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, or iHeartRadio, we have you covered. Just to be reminded, Crimson Tide fans, be sure to subscribe. Touchdown Alabama Magazine on YouTube. Be sure to go to YouTube. Hit that subscribe button on Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Once you hit the subscribe button, you hit the all notifications bell so you can be up to date getting all the insight from the shows we provide to you. So hit the all notifications bell. If you are one of those that have subscribed or or is subscribed and you're still having trouble getting those notifications, then hit the non-bell. Let it rest for for a few seconds, and then go back to hit the all notifications bell, just to make sure that you are getting those, so we want to keep you updated on your Crimson tie. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit, I will return on Wednesday continuing the conversation that is Alabama football. We'll be joined by former tight receiver Matt Cadell as we break down our mock draft. But... Leave you with my final three things here. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, value. Appreciate your husbands, children. Get that work done. Try ways to legitimately not be bored. Keep yourself entertained. Get those three hearty meals a day, those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself. Protect the loved ones around you. Until next time, folks, I'm your man, Stephen M. Smith, and this has been In My Own Words.